1: Paul, you're not ready for that. You're not ready for what's going to happen tomorrow, five names. You challenged me to a dance-off. You have no idea what you have done. I'm going to be busting out moves that haven't been seen in years. Probably some of them should not be seen Should not be brought out to the general public. Just saying.
2: What I don't know is how are we going to judge this dance off if we have no one else in the studio with us?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll take videos. We'll post it on social media and we'll let you out there listening decide. All right. How about that? Sounds good to me. There we go.
2: I'll like, find way to judge this because I can't judge because there's <laughs> no one else here. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, uh, good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parch III, joined here in the game studios by the producer extraordinaire, Anna Five Names.
2: Good morning. Good morning.
1: We're going to be friendly today. During the dance off tomorrow, you will be my mortal enemy.
2: That's fair.
1: I, I think that's we fair. Might, yeah. And that's fair? Yeah. Now you're thinking, I already know what you're thinking. You're thinking, first of all, why did I open my mouth and do this <laughs> thing about the dancing? And then the second thing you're thinking of, just how ridiculously bad. Raymond is at dancing and third thing that you're thinking this morning is the people are probably going to love his big dumb self dancing like a moron. That's what you're thinking right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's you're you're in a no win situation. See I'm the self-deprecating big fat bald guy. I shouldn't it's like the Chris Farley Patrick Swayze skit from SNL. I just, you, you're not going to be able to win.
2: You're going to be so excited! Oh look, it's rain. He's dancing and he's being and so What,
1: what voice is that? <laughs> what, what, who's who's that supposed to be? I, I did. Well, I, you got to reali-
2: listening. I didn't talking, realize. And I, the women.
1: I didn't realize RP Three and Company was the number one rated show for fourteen year old girls from Ohio. Yeah. But hey thank you for that. Duh. Oh, man. We got a great show lined up for you on this Thursday. We got a guest. We're going to talk Saints. We're going to talk Pels. We're going to talk NBA. A couple games on the Diamond last night that actually took place despite the storm. mid East baseball got back on track with a win. The Raging Cajun softball team finally got that signature win over a nationally ranked team. It wasn't the prettiest game, but they went on the road and got that. Could it be a turning point for Jerry Glasgow's squad? Could be. We'll get to all that. But we got to lead off today's show with more Saints news. It just never stops. It won't stop. It can't stop. The Saints offseason is PDD in the late 1990s. We heard rumblings about this and we weren't necessarily stunned by the news that came out yesterday that Malcolm Jenkins, the two-time Super Bowl winner, team captain for the New Orleans Saints, has decided to retire. Not totally surprised. The timing of it is a little interesting. The draft is right around the corner. Yeah, I know. You're thinking, oh, Ray, we're we're still talking about the NCAA Men's Tournament. Yeah, you're right. It's March 31st. Draft is coming. So Jenkins decides to hang it up. Now they have yet another guy that they have to replace. Marcus Williams left. So now you have two starters in your secondary that are gone. Marcus Williams and Jenkins, your two safeties are now gone. One signs a $70 million deal to play for the Ravens. The other one decides to retire. And Jenkins also provided a ton of leadership. Now, on the defensive side of the football, you're fine in that regard because you have DeMario Davis, Cam Jordan. So, leadership's not that big of an issue. It would be great if they could find someone to step up into a leadership role that could also be a Dynamic playmaker. Come on down, honey badger. I mean, it kind of opens itself up for that. Now that Malcolm Jenkins has retired. You could decide to have the money now freed up to go after. Tyron Matthew. Who reportedly is interested in coming to the Saints and they're interested in him. Also heard a name yesterday thrown out there. The Washington Commanders were unable to come to terms a few weeks ago with their starting safety and former Louisiana high school star Landon Collins. So they parted ways. Is that the type of guy that the Saints make a run after? So... They're going to have to upgrade at safety, even if they decide to bring back P.J. Williams, who's a better safety than he is a corner. If you're throwing P.J. Williams out there with Marcus May, eh, eh, may need to upgrade at the safety position. So we'll see what the Saints do in that regard. We'll ask Les East, when he joins us today, what they should do. what they could do i think they're going to make a move at safety as much as they like bringing marcus may and they're going to want to bring in a a guy that's that's a little bit of a veteran to come in there to solidify the back end of the defense but for jenkins that's another starter gone in an offseason that's seen that but it's also another trend if you will Of guys coming back and not being as good the second time around. (coughs) Excuse me. Robert Meacham springs to mind, right? Second time around was not nearly as good as the first time. Jenkins was not the player that he was the first time before he left. So. But. When you look at his career, two Super Bowls, remember he was a rookie for the Saints' Super Bowl season. First-round pick out of Ohio State. Played a lot that season. Was a very good player for the Saints. You heard former head coach Sean Payton say one of the biggest mistakes they made as an organization was letting Malcolm Jenkins walk. They did that as a financial decision when he left. And when he left... He went to Philadelphia, and he helped anchor their secondary and won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. Was a team captain. Community activist. So forth and so forth. And this is a guy that was someone who recorded more than a 1,000 tackles in his career. 20-plus fumbles, 20-plus interceptions. Three-time Pro Bowler. A very good safety. He was not great. He's not going to go down. He's not in the same breath as, say, Ed Reed. But he was a very good player. And he came back to run it back with the Saints, bookend in his career with the team that drafted him out of Ohio State. Very good player. And now the team is looking to upgrade. Now, there is some thought coming out of the Saints organization and those who cover it that they were kind of expecting this and the signing of Marcus May was an anticipation knowing that Malcolm was going to retire. And they still got another move to make with the safety position. That they anticipated Malcolm retiring, so they made the little affordable move to get Marcus May from the Jets just to add depth. And that they're still going to go out there and try to make a move. But it's just another part of another starter from this run that they've had that's now gone, right? This little mini great run where they won the NFC South four straight years. Got close to a Super Bowl a few times. But never were able to really kind of get there. Because now Marcus Williams is gone. Malcolm Jenkins is gone. Teron Armstead is gone. Drew Brees is gone. There's a lot of foundation pieces there that are no longer part of what the Saints have always wanted to do. Or, sorry, part of what the Saints have done in this recent recent run that they had. A great run that ended up with... Not a Lombardi trophy, but a great run of success. And look, Jenkins retiring may help them out. Because you could see his play kind of decline, right? He wasn't nearly the same player he was before. Even the same player he was in Philly when they won a Super Bowl. But he provided leadership. He helped... Mentor the younger guys. You heard younger guys like Chauncey Gardner Johnson, like PJ Williams, Marcus Williams, even Marshawn Lattimore talk about Malcolm Jenkins, you know, the older guy, the vet that kind of helped them. So even though he may be departing, he may be retiring, his impact with the younger guys is probably far more valuable than you imagine. That you could imagine. So that's a void. You lose a veteran presence. You lose a guy with experience, a guy that's won two Super Bowls, a guy that's an uh, outspoken captain, leader on the team. Now, once again, they still have Demario Davis, right? They still have Cam Jordan on that side of the football. They still have some leadership. But yet, that's another guy that's gone. Marcus Williams gone, Malcolm Jenkins gone, Teron Armstead gone, two years removed from Drew Brees being gone. And I've said it before, you can't keep the band together forever. You just can't. So be interesting to see which direction the Saints go from here. Do they make a run at Tyron Matthew? Do they make a run at Landon Collins? Do they just try to say bring back PJ Williams because PJ plays safety better than he does corner? And you just use him and Marcus May, but you haven't now replaced both of your starting safeties. You still feel like they need to make a move. Be interesting to see what Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland, and new head coach Dennis Allen have to do here. But I have a feeling, though that this is going to be easier for them to overcome because Malcolm's the type of guy that probably let them know ahead of time, hey, I'm really leaning towards retirement. They probably said, okay, bud, take your time. You let us know if you're going to step away or not. It's probably how that was handled. And when he made the decision that he wanted to retire, they weren't surprised. Maybe disappointed, but not necessarily surprised. I would not be stunned. If the Saints, it's being Thursday, if the Saints don't sign a safety within the next two to three days. I would not be stunned whatsoever. Or they could draft one in the first round. They're going to be making some type of move. They're either going to make a move by getting an offensive lineman, signing an offensive lineman, or safety or a wide receiver here in free agency. And whatever they don't do in free agency, they'll just address in the draft. But now safety is one of those other ones, which has been a sneaky kind of position of need. Now is on the same level as wide receiver and offensive line. Once again, it gives the Saints more options on how they can attack this thing, attack building this roster. But definitely yet another part of the group of guys that helped bring a great string of success together. And... Someone who helped them win a Lombardi Trophy, their only one. Malcolm Jenkins, retired. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll take your phone calls. Hotline's open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: RP3 and Company. We talk about the sports you know and love: baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and Company on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Malcolm Jenkins wasn't the only figure in the NFC South that decided to retire yesterday. Tampa Bay coach Bruce Arians has decided to retire, step away from coaching. He's going to be taking a front office role inside the organization. They're not going to go through the hiring process. They're simply going to take Todd Bowles, their defensive coordinator, and a former head coach in the NFL, and he is now their new head coach. Just like that. Boom. Done. Done. Todd Bowles to take over. Bruce Arians, who's, as he knows, been well-documented, has had health issues in the past. He resigns, and a bit surprising, I guess, in the regards that Tom Brady decides to come back out of retirement. Leonard Fournette comes back and signs with Tampa Bay. I mean, they still have some question marks, but they still have very much a playoff team of contender, and he's going to step away. Now, there's been some speculation there. That maybe Tom and Bruce don't necessarily see eye-to-eye. I could see that. It could also just be the fact that Bruce Arians has said, hey, enough's enough. This team is in good shape. I want to move into a front office role, and I'm going to hand it off to Todd Bowles, and I'm going to give him a really good team. Because look how Tampa Bay's built. Fournette just re-signed. Brady's back. Their offensive line is good. And they're all under contract. They got a ton of guys on the defensive side of the football. Devin White, Antoine Winfield Jr., Shaq Barrett. They got a slew of guys that are under contract. Offensively, yeah, you they don't have a plan post Tom Brady. But you got Fournette now locked up. You got a nice offensive line. You got Chris Godwin for the next two years, and you got Mike Evans for the next two years. So they got a little bit of a window here. They can kind of keep things going and kind of be the leaders in the clubhouse in the NFC South. But no Bruce Arians stepping away. No Sean Payton, no Bruce Arians. Ron Rivera hasn't been in the division. Think of the coaches now in this division. They're all going to be first-year coaches or entering their second year. (laughs) Now, some of them have former head coaching experience, like Todd Bowles and like Dennis Allen with the Saints. So it's not like they're completely... It's not like it's a complete foreign concept to these guys. It's like they, you know, they've coached before. Some of them have. But they're all young coaches or young in their ten tenure, early in their tenure. Dennis Allen's going to be first first year head coach for the Saints. Todd Bowles will be a first year head coach for the Bucks. Matt Rule's entering his third year at the helm, I guess it's not gone well for him in carolina and the falcons have their coach entering his second year once again things don't last forever i'm <laughs> just saying things do not last forever i mean just think just think about this from just a couple years ago go back say like 2 years Saw so Sean Payton coaching, Bruce Arians coaching, Drew Brees playing. It's crazy. Crazy offseason, too. Like, it just doesn't stop in the NFL. Just when you thought you could catch your breath. A Super Bowl winning coach who won a Super Bowl two years ago is like, I, I'm I'm retiring, I'm taking a front office job, here's my replacement, thanks, bye. What? What? Yet here we are. And I do wonder about Tampa. I do wonder how they're going to look. I think Todd Bowles is a good coach. Once again, it's one of those situations for Todd Bowles where it's like Dennis Allen. I've told you for a long time, you can't really judge Dennis Allen's head coaching record because he coached for the Raiders. And no one has succeeded as Raiders head coach in the last 25 years. 20 to 25 years, every coach has failed in charge of the silver and black. Todd Bowles was the coach of the Jets. Well, there you go. They've been an absolute dumpster fire. Because you can't really hold not being a successful head coach if you've coached the last in the last 20 years for either the Jets or the Raiders. A little unfair because no one's been able to succeed in those roles in those places. It's a struggle. But the NFC South, man, you know, Tampa's got a majority of their guys coming back. They should be good, they should be the favorite. But as much as Tom Brady is a force of nature, as much as he's battling. Out and proving that you can continue playing older and older and still be wildly efficient. Father time is undefeated. Eventually, and it will happen, and it will happen to Tommy Boy, Tom Terrific. There'll be all of a sudden you'll be watching Tom Brady and you go, he can't play anymore. It's happened to every single player in every single sport. All of a sudden, you lose a step. All of a sudden, you're not the same player. And usually, it happens in football overnight. All of a sudden, Peyton Manning goes from league MVP to a few years later, getting benched because he can't throw a 10-yard out route and gets benched for Brock Osweiler. His last year, Peyton Manning was benched. Think about that. Considered one of the top three greatest quarterbacks of all time got benched his last year because the body just said, hey, it's time. It's time. Now, he became a starter again and helped the Broncos win a Super Bowl, not because he could pass the ball because they had Von Miller in that defense, but it happens to every single one. And eventually, his workout regimen and being married to Giselle and drinking avocado smoothies will eventually, eventually not help him because he will eventually be able will no longer be able to play at the high level that he demands himself to play at. Because father time is undefeated. Do I like the Bucks' chances to win the NFC South this year and get back to the playoffs? Yes. They have to be your clear cut clear cut front runner based on the talent they have on that team. Offensive line, Fournette, Godwin, Evans, and that defense led by Devin White, Antoine Winfield Jr. And Shaq Barrett. Yes. They should be your. Absolute favorite. But does that mean that they're going to put together a Super Bowl team? I don't know. And once again, another team in this division that's opting to promote from within. Just like the Saints did. Saints promoted their defensive coordinator. And in both cases, by the way. The defensive coordinators on staff are replacing a Super Bowl-winning coach who's known as an offensive guru in both cases. It's kind of interesting. In both cases, they promoted the defensive coordinator to head coach. In both cases, that defensive coordinator is a former head coach that had a terrible record as a head coach because he coached for terrible franchises and they're replacing an offensive guru as head coach, and those offensive guru head coaches also won Super Bowls with the team that they're just retired from. It's kind of funny. Got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and Company, we'll unveil our poll question of the day. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: on rp3 and company everyone is apparently part of the game family brother 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 brother. seriously how many brothers does ray have good morning to your brother back to ray and all of his brothers right here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station
1: Been a busy offseason in the FC South. Whew, just never stops. Never stops. Yesterday, Malcolm Jenkins announces his retirement from the National Football League, which means the Saints have now lost another member, a leader of their team, and they've lost a second starting safety this offseason. Jenkins, of course, won two Super Bowls one with the Saints and one with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's retiring, so they'll need to replace his performance and, more importantly, his leadership. The same day that Malcolm Jenkins steps away, Bruce Arians, in a bit of a stunner, decides to retire, resign his post, and Todd Bowles, former New York Jets head coach, is going to be immediately taking over, not on an interim basis. He's now your new head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And how, huh, how weird is it that both the Saints and the Bucks had their Super Bowl-winning offensive guru head coaches retire in the same offseason. They decided to promote from within and promote their defensive coordinator to head coach, and in both cases, their defensive coordinators were failures at head coaches because they were head coaches at two of the worst-ran organizations in the NFL for the better part of the last 25 years. What? What? Poll question of the day. Who is now the best head coach in the NFC South? Here are your coaches in the NFC South, in case you had forgotten. Todd Bowles is now the new head coach for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Dennis Allen's now the new head coach for the New Orleans Saints. Matt Rule is still the head coach for the Carolina Panthers, but only for so long. And Arthur Smith is your head coach, the young buck for the Atlanta Falcons. That's our poll question of the day. Who is now the best head coach in the NFC South? All of them are pretty much unproven. But we want to hear from you. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter and keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. We'll update it throughout today's show. But right now, let's head out to the game hotline. Welcome on our first guest of today's show. He's the award-winning columnist for the Town Talk in the TownTalk.com. It's our good friend, the one and only John Marquez. John, good morning to you, brother. How are you? I'm doing well, Ray. How are you today? I'm doing well, bud. How'd you make out with the storms?
3: Uh, just a lot of uh, rain, a couple of tornado warnings that thankfully didn't come to exist, but you know, could could have been a lot worse.
1: Well, yes, it could always be worse, and thankfully you and a lot of other people uh, were spared some of the uh, more severe weather that came through our state. So, let's get to this things that are happening in the NFC South, because I find it ironic, I guess, that both the Bucs and the Saints have had, are having similar off-seasons, except for Tampa Bay has Tom Brady unretiring and coming back. But head coaches are the same, and there's been a lot of turnover. And there's been a lot of turnover, period, in the NFL, especially with star players coming and going. What do you make of this kind of crazy off-season in the National Football League?
3: Well, like... Um... I mean, can't you just feel – it's almost like the NFC is like a sinking ship, isn't it? Even though the Rams won the Super Bowl, but it's like everybody's jumping ship to the AFC. Um, You know, the interesting thing I want to know is what was Tom Brady's reaction or what was his involvement in what happened yesterday? You know, he comes back out of retirement, and then a few weeks later, Bruce Arians, who publicly called him out on a few occasions – you know, is stepping down to go into the front office now. I know he's had numerous health scares, cancer among them. So I'm not gonna. I don't want to start any conspiracy theories, but you know, I just find that I just find it intriguing. But you know, he does. I think still have Byron Leftwich as the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, it's just. I mean, man, did you find some better head coaches or a better experience? more I don't know, proven head coaches with results instead of retreads from the Jets and the Raiders. That's you know, that's that's sort of intriguing and you know, your poll question, I mean, if you base on their previous history, Matt Rule's the best well, most proven coach, but that's based on what he did at Temple and Baylor, not what he's done with the Carolina Panthers. I mean it's just I remember a time when the, the NFC South was the The division in the NFC, Um, you know, nobody could ever repeat as division champions. It, you know, it was just a vicious cycle, but man, it's, uh, I mean, it's had some major shock to the system this off season.
1: It's been, it's been, uh, and just not in the NFC South, just all the players being traded this off season has been wildly surprising as well, right? I mean, That's the other part of this. I haven't seen these many players that are this accomplished, right? We're talking multiple Pro Bowls, All-Pros, Super Mm -hmm. Bowl winners that are changing teams. And it just seems like every few days you're trying to catch your breath because you don't know what move is happening in the NFL because teams are trading guys in their prime, John, in their prime. They're like, okay, it's been great, thanks.
3: And they just trade them and they're done. And we still got Baker Mayfield out there, still part of the Cleveland Browns. And you know, it's amazing now. This shows you the Cleveland Browns. It's like they didn't do their due diligence on Deshaun Watson. Now they're realizing, oh, we're facing some blowback from our fans over hiring a guy accused of what twenty-two sexual assaults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, um, yeah, it's just vicious what's going on. Especially when you look at the AFC at the AFC. The quarterbacks coming in, the the, you know Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs jet jettisoning him, but then they bring in Juju Smith and they bring in another wide receiver. It's just um, the AFC is going to be an interesting dogfight where, you know maybe maybe the Rams and Matt Stafford are sitting back there like, go ahead, we got it. now we got it. now 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 we can be like the New England Patriots in the old AFC East. We got no competition. We can just cakewalk to, you know, the Patriots used to be able to cakewalk to a home field advantage in the playoffs. I mean, if you're in the NFC, who do you fear if you're the Rams? No one. What you've seen this off season?
1: I mean, no and, one. I mean, and,
3: and, and it's not Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay.
1: Well, no, no, because they lost Devonte Adams. So I mean, yeah. So the, the, every team has issues. The NFC is wide open. I mean, you have the Rams. And uh, that's why I also think to be perfectly frank with you, John, that's why I don't think you've seen Jimmy G.B. moved from San Francisco because the 49ers Brain Trust is looking around going, "Why are we going to trade this guy when we have just as much of a shot as the Rams of getting out of the NFC to get back to the, to get back to the Super Bowl?" I mean, uh, I mean, look at the landscape of the NFC. The AFC's gotten far better, far more competitive, and the mm-hmm. NFC is wide open.
3: And you you know what you got in Jimmy G? I think he's I think he's a little too much maligned for, for for if you look what's going on. Yeah, you know he had an injury. Let's see what happens with him and his recovery. You still don't know about the, the Lance kid if he if he is your next Joe Montana
1: or if he's ready.
3: Yes, I mean it's That's a major question mark. But I mean, there's nobody else. I mean, do you fear anybody in the NFC East? No. The NFC South is the gigantic question mark when you look at all the coaching changes and, and everything else. Um, the NFC North? I mean, come on. Really?
4: <laughs> I, mean, it,
3: I mean, I mean, are we're are we going to be shocked if we see a repeated NFC championship game.
0: No. No. No.
3: And, and, and people forget, the 49ers, I mean, Saints fans won't ever forget what the 49ers did in, that, in the final game of the regular season, how they came back to beat the Rams. And they led for most of the NFC championship games, so so yeah, I mean I, I, I mean right now do we do they even need to play the regular season in the NFC <laughs> I mean that's, do they?
1: oh uh, but you know, hey look, you got to play the games bud that way you could have uh, some teams maybe emerge, huh uh, Detroit Washington oh that's a lot of bad Hey, no no excuse for Dallas not to make a run in the playoffs now, right?
3: Uh they'll make a run to the playoffs. Let's just put
1: it that <laughs> way. I was talking with John Marcase of the Town Talk and The Towntalk.com. He joins us here on RP3 and company. All right, bud, let's shift gears. Let's talk uh MBA. You, your latest work for the Town Talk and The Towntalk.com, you are making the statement, making the case that Willie Green. The Pelicans first year head coach deserves to be in the conversation for coach of the year. Why do you make that argument for that, especially for a team that's still battling to get into the playing tournament?
3: You start one and twelve and three and sixteen. You haven't had your best player all season long. And guess who has a one and a half game lead in the ninth spot in the in in, in the difficult West? It's the Pelicans. They won again last night. I mean, it's, you know, and one of the things I wrote about is the Pelicans have been grasping for a head coach. They've been grasping for their uh, spolster, their, their, their pops, their, their Phil Jackson. They've never had that. They, The closest you could say they, they came was Monty Williams, and then they let him go. Um, they put all the blame on not being able to develop a team around Anthony Davis or Monty. And by the way, look what Monty Williams has done the last two years. Um, but it looks like they may have finally found the franchise, the face of the franchise on the on, on the coaching side. And Willie Green, it's just been remarkable to watch how that team has progressed, how they've developed the rookies. You know, we we look, you know, we've 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 bashed the GM David Griffin a lot, but look at all the pieces they've built, and you've. Done all this without Zion Williams, who we don't know if he'll ever play again for the Pelicans. There's, you know, that that great speculation. Um, and you know, I, you look at the Pelicans' final. I think now they're down to six games left in the regular season. They're probably. They're. I mean, I, they've got as good a shot of anybody being in the playing game, which means they got a good shot of getting into uh, one of the final eight spots for the for the playoffs. It's just been a remarkable turnaround that, to be quite frank, Pelican fans aren't used to seeing. And, and, and it's quite impressive, and he deserves major credit for that.
1: I don't argue that he doesn't deserve credit. And I don't argue that they're improving and that there's a buzz building in New Orleans. I get all that. But they're still almost 10 games under 500. And we're talking about battling to get into a planned tournament. Which is just an excuse for the NBA to get as many teams as possible in the playoffs. So I'm not quite there on ready to pat them on the back and say, job, you know, great job, mission accomplished here. Because he was the head coach of the team when they were losing all those games early, right? So he's a young coach. I'm willing to wait on his development. I just the, – the the victory laps here for the Pelicans, for a team to be well below 500. And to making a playing tournament it seems like we're lowering the bar for the team. Where you know, if this was three years ago, they wouldn't even be in the conversation because there was no playing tournament, John. That's my only point.
3: I understand, but they are in. They're they're not that far away from the eighth spot. So that's a, so take take a step back there. But since that three and sixteen start, they're over five hundred. Since that one and twelve start, they're one game over five hundred. And don't forget. They went into media day expecting to have Zion Williamson as their star centerpiece when the news broke, oh, yeah, he's got a foot injury. You know, it's um, dealing with all that. I think what he's done has been quite remarkable, and I've never been one of these that, like, Don Staley was named the woman's coach of the year yesterday. She's done a great job. I don't. I, 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 I have no issue with her being named Coach of the Year. She has done a great job, but that team lost in the championship game last year. They have everybody back. Is she truly the Coach of the Year? I've never been one of those that just because you had the team, and the, the best team, and you're in the finals, you automatically are the Coach of the Year. I, I like how people develop and how they progress over the course of the season, and you look at what Willie Green has done with the Pelicans just to even have him – Above the Lakers, and therefore top seventy five players of all time, quite remarkable.
1: Appreciate your time, John. I'm just not there yet for the Pells bud. i just I just i just I just feel like we the the celebration of being a team below five hundred and a nine seed is just not the what the standard should be. That's just me. That's just me. But I understand your point. Willie does deserve some credit here and deserves to be considered. It's going to be a jam-packed race for Coach of the Year in the NBA this year, though.
3: I'll save you a seat on the on the uh, Pelicans' bandwagon. Oh,
1: there it is. Thank you, John. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend. You're welcome, <laughs> Ray. You too. Got to take a timeout. Wrap up our number one here of RP Three and Company. That's next right here on the game one zero three seven Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, in the house, say what, say what, 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 what? How about our poll question of the day? Who is the best coach now in the NFC South? Where do we stand on with our results, with our poll question of the day? You can leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, of course, but where do we stand with our poll question of the day?
2: So, poll question of the day, who is now the best head coach in the NFC South? Ted Bowles, Dennis Allen, Matt Rule, or Arthur Smith? 67% say Dennis Allen, 22% for Todd Bowles, 11% for Matt Rule, and zero for Arthur Smith.
1: There's actually people voting on this poll question that says Matt Rule's the the best coach of the four? Yes. (laughs) You've, You've seen him coach in the NFL, right? i'm just asking keep those votes coming i'm just saying keep those votes coming leave your comments on facebook and twitter on our poll question of the day our number one in the books good start to today's show it's about to get better our number two right around the bin you're listening to the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station oh busted out the dance moves on me was not prepared was not prepared hannah five names just busted out some some smooth dance
2: moves
1: (laughs) i do believe that was a variation of the sprinkler that you were trying there yes outstanding
2: that's the best part i have control of the tv that way no one sees you, yes. I see whatever I want. <laughs> no one will ever know.
1: Oh, man. Pretty good. Good job, Five Names. Thanks. Good job. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have our dance-off tomorrow. Yes? Yes. Dance-off. We'll what post time? it on social media. And uh good way to kick off the weekend. Who's the better chair dancer? <laughs> Hannah, five names. RP3. You will be deciding this tomorrow, just to let you know. If you're listening right now, you will decide how our weekends go. No pressure. No
2: pressure. Not at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, welcome back to RP3 and company. We are having fun here as we typically do every weekday morning. It's been a lot of hour number one talking about the NFC South. Malcolm Jenkins retires after 13 years in the National Football League, winning two Super Bowls, one with New Orleans, another one with Philly. Veteran leader has decided to step away. He's had enough. What do the Saints do now? Safety was kind of a position of need anyway. Marcus Williams, he's gone. Signed a $70 million deal with the Baltimore Ravens. They bring in Marcus May, but he's a bit of a different safety, right? He's a bit of a thumper instead of a one high. Plus, he's coming off an injury. Plus, he's facing a DWI suspension. So, there you go. And now you got Malcolm Jenkins gone as well. Do you simply just bring back P.J. Williams? Lock him up? I am of the belief, based on what I see, I think he's a better safety than he is a corner. And I know the Saints have tried to use him in both positions. But I just feel like he's a better safety than he is at cornerback. Do you just roll with Marcus May and P.J. Williams as your safeties? Or do you go after a couple of the guys that are free agents? Tyron Matthew is still out there. The Honey Badger is still there. And Saints fans, who are also diehard LSU fans, they have been clamoring for that for a few years now. When he signed with Kansas City and when he was with Houston, the whole nine yards. So, that would that would be a great fit. He would provide you with that veteran leadership. And he's a, still a dynamic playmaker. He probably would be an upgrade over Malcolm Jenkins. Do you go after someone maybe a little bit more affordable like Landon Collins? Once again, Landon Collins could not come to terms on a contract with the Washington Commanders. And that's why he's a free agent right now. They tried to get a deal done. He wanted more money. Do you want to pay that much money for Landon? Or do you take the approach of, hey, we're going to address this through the draft? Because the Saints are in this weird spot. They have positions of need, but they're all kind of equal. So position of need is not quarterback anymore. They brought back Jameis Winston. They got Andy Dalton as the backup. They're moving Taysom Hill from quarterback to more of that joker role, more of a tight end. That's Dennis Allen basically said he's going to be a tight end. You got Michael Thomas coming back healthy, but you need a number two wide receiver. So the Saints needs, as it stands right now, as the calendar is about to turn to April, the Saints still need a number two wide receiver. The Saints still need a starting offensive lineman, in particular, tackle. I like Hurst, but is that the guy that you're going to have anchor your offensive line at the left tackle spot? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Do you really want to put Hurst and have him have to play next to Pondwater? You're not helping them out. Number two wide receiver. A tackle. Safety. And you still need a running back. So those are four positions of need right there. Now they have a good team. They have a team that nearly made the playoffs. And you can get past Marcus Williams' departure, but you got to now find a safety, right? So they have the rest of free agency to fix this. Bringing in Sorensen, bringing in Marcus May, that's great. Sorensen's a special team guy. He's Jeff Heath, 2.0. That's what he is. And May can play, but now you need another safety. And they love Chauncey Gardner-Johnson right where he's at. In that hybrid role, that way they can utilize him in different packages. So you still, once again... As it stands right now, Saints need a starting safety. Saints need a starting offensive lineman, in particular a tackle. Saints need a number two wide receiver, a starting wide receiver. And they need a backup running back. Now, they can more than likely address the backup running back, as we talked with Tina Howe yesterday, probably through the draft. That's what they like to do, right? Middle round guy. Come on down. Fourth, fifth, sixth round. Let's find a running back, put him on the roster, and he'll be a success. That's what they like to do. I would fully anticipate that. So now you're really down to free agency and early in the draft. Safety, wide receiver, offensive lineman. They're set on defense, right? Front seven, they're good. You'd like to see if they could bring back Quan Alexander. I'm not saying that there's not other moves you'd like to see them make. But biggest priorities for the Saints. Because you uh, you can address running back because of the way the the position has been devalued, especially through draft process, you can find you a a running back in the draft, in the middle rounds. So that's taken care of. Safety, wide receiver, offensive lineman. I would anticipate between now and the NFL draft that the Saints address two of those three needs in free agency. I think you're going to see them sign a safety, I think you're going to see them probably go out and sign a number two wide receiver. Now, they could be signing a safety and then turn around and sign an offensive lineman. But those first two picks they have, the first and the second round picks they have, if if you put a gun to my head right now inside the studio, probably going to be taking... an offensive lineman, and a wide receiver in the first two rounds. I think they're going to go sign a safety. I think it's going to be easier for the Saints to go sign Tyron Matthew or Landon Collins, and then that takes care of your safety position, your need at starter at safety. You bring in the Huddy Badger, he's going to make everyone else better around him. So I think they're going to try to address it By signing a safety, and then they'll use their draft to find maybe a speedster wide receiver. A lot of people want them to get the uh, Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Even though he's coming off the, the terrible tear. He's not even participating in the pro day. But I could see the Saints doing that. I could see the Saints saying, okay, We got our safety. Now we're going to attack offensive line or wide receiver in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. But if they don't get a safety, let's say they miss out on Tyron Matthew. Honey Badger does not come home. Let's say Landon Collins doesn't come home. Weird that the two top safeties on the market right now are Louisiana guys. If they don't get one of the safeties, then I could see them shift their focus to bring in a veteran offensive lineman or get the number two wide receiver. And then if they do, that, this is, is going to be the deal. They have those three major needs, position needs, safety, wide receiver, offensive line. Whatever they don't, whichever one they address during free agency, they'll take care of the other two during the draft. That's how that's going to go. The way they're built, the way their salary cap situation is, that's how they're going to attack this, but I think they'll be. I think they're going to get one of those safeties, especially now with Jenkins retired. I think they're going to go get one, one of those safeties, and then they'll dress their offensive line because they like Hearst enough. I could see them saying, "You're going to be our starting left tackle." They'll draft a kid in the second round to be the heir apparent. Right? He'll be the guy that they can develop through camp, and he can push Hearst to be the starting left tackle. Remember, they like the kid out of Kentucky to back up Ramchek as well. So I could see them doing that and then taking a wide receiver because even though traditionally with Mickey Loomis and for the longest time under Sean Payton and with Jeff Ireland, they typically like to take offensive lineman, defensive lineman, DB. Those are the three positions that you typically use in the first two rounds of the draft. That's just what the, the, the data shows us. But... They have been known to take wide receivers. So it wouldn't be completely out of the realm of possibilities, especially with the Saints being there at 18 in the first round, for them to go and get themselves a wideout. But the Jenkins retirement may be a blessing in disguise. I know some Saints fans were upset. Oh, man, we're losing Malcolm. He's a great leader. Yeah, he's a great leader. But you still have other leadership, especially on that side of the ball and Malcolm Jenkins wasn't going to get better this year. You could get better with him retiring, bringing in someone new, some fresh blood that can still play. Honey Badger's only 29. You see what I'm saying? So you still can bring in someone that can help you win games right now. So it could be an actual good thing this. The team could actually get better because of this. But they got to be smart with their picks. They got to be smart with their decisions. They cannot be careless. You cannot have a Jarius Bird situation where you overpay for someone and he comes in and he's awful. Or when they did the same thing with Jason David. You can't have those type of misses. Right? You just can't. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the Saints. Because it is intriguing to me. And then, you know, the same day Malcolm Jenkins retires, Bruce Arians retires. Now we got all these new young coaches in the NFC South. Some of them have been failed coaches elsewhere. (laughs) Matt Rule is your elder statesman. The longest tenured coach in the NFC South is now Matt Rule. Think about that. And once again, I just find it. To be, it's just so unique. Saints, Bucks, both have their Super Bowl winning coaches who are offensive gurus retire this offseason. And both franchises decide to promote their defensive coordinators on their own staff, promote from within, and not offensive guys, defensive guys. And both of those coaches were failures as head coaches before, and both coached in the AFC. Funny how things work out sometimes. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll look at the Raging Cajun softball. It wasn't pretty, but they got the job done. First signature win of the season as they take down top 25 ranked Texas yesterday and McNeese Cowboys. They get over 500 on the season with a midweek victory over Southern. We'll talk about both of those games next, right here. On the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar
1: for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a
0: cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk-taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Now, back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: In Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface. Sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So, look, if you or your contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or for any other reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year, and there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811. Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free of charge, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service and to promote public safety. Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, remind you call 811 and know what's below before you dig. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on James to the show has been patiently waiting. James, what's on your mind, brother?
5: Hey, Mr. RP3. I wanted to talk St. Salary Cap. But okay. before that, I just can't help but think that uh, LP1 is walking around like a gangster out there in L.A. in his Pelicans jersey, <laughs> knowing that they're about to put the Lakers out of the playoffs and take their number one draft pick.
1: Yep. He's probably very excited.
5: But as, as far as the salary cap goes, the Saints, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't sign both the safeties, bring them back to Louisiana, like you said, and then just wear out offensive linemen and a wide receiver in the draft because we're $21 million under the salary cap, and now with the retirement of Malcolm Jenkins, that number goes up. Yep. And a little-known fact not everybody thinks about uh, silver lining in the Alvin Kamara issue is that anybody that's suspended those games and those dollars don't count against the salary cap. So the Saints will get an early season bonus when those suspensions are announced.
1: That's I completely forgot about that, James. Thank you for that. And, yeah, you're exactly correct. I could see them. Look, that, that's why I lean towards them signing a safety. Uh, and I think they've known about the Jenkins retirement for a while. I think he gave them a heads up, and they did the thing where they said, okay, Malcolm, take some time, think about it, make a final decision, let us know. That's why I think they made the small move with Marcus May. I think that had less to do with Marcus Williams, who I I think they believed was leaving. I think it had more to do with Jenkins, where they're just like, okay, we're going to make a small move here, and then we're going to free up space so we can go make a run at one of these elite safeties out there. I also think that's why Tyron Matthew has not been signed yet. Because I think think he really wants to come to the Saints. I really do think he wants to come to the Saints. Whether or not they can make the money work is a different uh, whole situation. But I believe that he wants to come play for the Saints.
5: I'm with you, and I'm excited for the year coming up. I really think the Saints might just shock the world this next year and reload, not rebuild.
1: I could see that, brother. I could see that. Appreciate your phone call, bud. Enjoy your day. Because, look, Tyron Matthew is special. Why hasn't he signed yet? That tells me that he's waiting on something. Honestly. I, that's what that tells me. Now, I'm assuming that's going to be with the Saints. But maybe it's not. And look, if you're Tyron, look, his story is so unique. Usually guys that screw up in college like he did. Don't make it. I mean, he went from Heisman finalist and one of the most dynamic players in college to being suspended for an entire year for marijuana use. And then he his draft stock plummeted because of it. But his old teammate, Patrick Peterson, told the Arizona Cardinals, hey, I got this. And Tyron humbled himself, and he allowed himself to be mentored by Patrick Peterson and then turned into a great dynamic playmaking safety and then helped the chiefs win a super bowl so he's proven himself one of the best players one of the best players in uh, in secondary players in the league in the last 10 years he's won a super bowl championship why not come home just saying he was at an LSU baseball game earlier this week and remember, he's donated money. That football facility, part of it was financed based on Tyron Matthews' donations. It's not out of the realm of possibilities to have him be back in New Orleans. So we'll see. But I do believe, if you, if you ask me right now, they make a move at safety. They sign a safety and free agency. And James may not be... Completely off base. Do I think they sign both uh, Landon Collins and Tyron Matthew? No. I think they sign one of them and then they sign another mid tier guy, is what they'll probably do. And then address wide receiver and offensive line needs through the draft. I could see them doing that all day long. I could see it all day long. All day long. Because it just makes sense. Steve. Salty Steve. Our buddy. Speaking about the NFC South and who's the best head coach now in the NFC South. With a bunch of guys that are really unproven and haven't won anything in the NFL. That, those are your four coaches now. Steve says, NFC South can have a throwback American Express commercial for their coaches. You don't know us, but we, we are NFL coaches. Even though we all have lifetime losing records, we can still get good services and eat at our favorite dining locations. The American Express card. Don't leave the stadium without it. That's like, <laughs> you're too young to appreciate Steve's comment. That's, that's a quality comment by Steve. Why are you over there like, like, like someone shot your dog? Well, what's going on? Five names. We're trying to have a fun show, and you're over there all sullen.
2: I was literally focusing. I was doing work for our station, not as our station, but our sister station.
1: What am I going to do with you?
2: I'm sorry. I won't do work. What anymore.
1: am I going to do with you?
2: I'll just sit here and stare Working at you hard? as you talk.
1: Working hard.
2: Yes, yeah. of course. Unbelievable. Can't believe I do that. <laughs> Man. What's wrong with me?
1: Can you teach Mesh to be that way? Ah, oh, we joke with James. We love James. We love James. All love, all love to our boy James Mesh. Let's briefly talk, if we can, for a moment, about Raging Cajuns softball team. Woo woo! They had yet to get that signature win this year. They just hadn't got it. They had opportunities to take down teams that were nationally ranked just like they were, teams that were just as good as them or better. And they fell short twice against Alabama. They fell short twice against LSU. And they had fallen short twice against Texas. And the Sun Belt's not that great this year. So the opportunity to get a signature win in conference just isn't there. Not for the softball side. Baseball is a little bit different, but softball it's just not there. But they had one final opportunity. That was yesterday. They had to go on the road and take on that same Texas team that defeated them in the Twin Bill earlier this year. Handed them not one but two losses: ten to two, and then that three to two heartbreaker. That was just a few weeks ago. And what did the Cajuns do? Nationally ranked UT. Took him down six to five in eight innings. Wasn't the prettiest game. Wasn't the cleanest game. It's the type of game that Coach Glasgow is going to say, hey, we had things that we need to work on. But Megan Schwarman was very good in the circle. And they got contributions in the batter's box. Sophie Pisco's with a double Jordan Campbell got herself a home run they got timely hits Melissa Mayu had the two-run sig- uh, single late in the game that gave them the lead and they were able to hold on and win this one to improve to 21 and 8 overall 6-5 they played the two runs there in the eighth Texas gets one of those back in the bottom frame but it's not enough now look this was this was not a pretty game there was five errors total. Three by Texas, two by the Raging Cajuns. But they fought back, overcame that early deficit because Texas scored one run in the first and then three in the second, and the Cajuns were down 4 nothing. But they tied it up there in the third by scoring four runs. They get the win. It's a signature win now. You prove that you can beat a team that is equally as good as you or maybe slightly better than you. I understand it's a midweek game, but it matters. It matters. And as I said, Melissa Mayhew came up big there late. That pushed them up to the 6-4 advantage, and they held on 6-5. And the eighth inning was great because Sophie, she got her second double of the game. That put two runners in scoring position. And then Melissa brought home the two runners. And. Shoreman gave up a run. There in the bottom of the eighth. But she bounced back. Got back to back fly outs. And she got another. Tremendous relief effort. And they got the win. Now. They'll stay in Texas. It's one of the reasons why Jerry set up this second, or third game rather, but second meeting between Texas and the Raging Cajuns because he wanted to squeeze in another midweek game as they go to play Texas State. They got to go to San Marcos. Lovely San Marcos for a three-game conference series this weekend. But the Raging Cajuns are going to roll into that feeling good about themselves. A little momentum built. Now, by Jerry Glasgow's team. And kind of needed, right? You'd fallen. They had a good chance against LSU. They did not really have a chance against Alabama twice. And they had a great chance the first time around during that doubleheader against Texas, the second game of the doubleheader. But they let that one get away from them. But not this time. They got that signature win. And maybe this could be a turning point for Jerry's team. Right across the Texas border back in Louisiana last night, the McNeese Cowboys baseball team got themselves a win and got above 500. 13 and 12 now on the season with last night's 9 7 victory over the Southern University Jaguars. It wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. Southern led this game. to heading to the bottom of the third. But McNeese is able to get four runs in the bottom of the third. But then Southern answers back. Three runs in the top of the fifth and another run in the top of the sixth. And McNeese has to scrap once again. But they score three in the bottom of the sixth. Add another insurance run there in the bottom of the seventh for the 9-7 victory. Sean Michael Brady picks up his second win of the season. Cameron Foster continues being one of the national leaders in saves as he picked up his seventh save of the season. And they got big time hits. Cade Hunter had a double in this game. Peyton Harden had a triple. He brought in a couple of runs as well. Brad Burkell had himself a triple. They got timely runs, timely hitting, timely runs in this game. Duhan was 3 of 5 in this game. Cade Hunter, 3 of 5 as well. Peyton Harden, 2 of 4. It's exactly what they needed. Exactly what they needed. And Harden... And, I'm sorry, Hunter got his 200th career hit with the Cowboys. So, McNeese gets themselves a much-needed win. Midweek contest. Now they're above 500. Can they build this into some momentum? Because they got a big series this weekend down in Thibodeau, taking on Nichols, three-game set in Southland Conference play. That'll be coming up this weekend. Could help maybe turn around their season. Sometimes a midweek game can do that. It can build you some confidence. It gives you a shot in the arm, and then you can get momentum from that. We'll see if the Cajun softball team can do that and if the McNeese baseball team can do that. we got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, Final Four will be this Saturday down in New Orleans inside the Superdome. We're going to hear from the coaches that have their teams playing in one of the greatest events known to man. We'll do that next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to see some of the most elite dunkers and exceptional ball handlers on the planet? World famous Harlem Globetrotters are returning to the Cajun Dome on Tuesday, and you can see them live. Look right here. If you're watching on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber, your boy RP3, right here. Already got my tickets. Made sure to do that right here. Am I in the camera? Am I showing the tickets to the camera? Or is it this one? My bad. There we go. Thank you, producer extraordinaire and a five names. I <laughs> already got my tickets to the Harlem Globetrotters. Taking the family. Hattie loves seeing the Harlem Globetrotters, and I love seeing them too. If you want to score some tickets like I got in my hand right here, not to mention, look, exceptional ball handling, but you can also maybe run into your boy RP3. Come holler at me. I already got my tickets. I want you to have tickets as well. I want you to join us inside the Cage Dome for a family night filled with fun and basketball greatness. Boom, let's make it happen. Game 1037 Lafayette and 104-1 Lake Charles. We are giving away a family four-pack of tickets for the show. How do you win? Simply text TROTTER to 68683 to score those tickets to see the Globe Trotters on Tuesday. Once again, text the word Trotter, T R O T T E R, to 68683 to win a family four pack of tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters live at the Cajun Dome, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time's running out. This will end today. This will end today. We'll be drawing a winner tomorrow morning. So get those texts in so you can get some tickets like I do. Once again, I'm looking at the right camera now. See, here I am. There I am. I'm learning. I'm like a little baby, learning to walk. (laughs) Let's talk basketball, but let's talk men's Final Four. In New Orleans, Saturday. Your two matchups, Duke versus North Carolina. Meeting in the NCAA men's tournament for the first time ever. Coach K's farewell tour. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a lot of buzz. Lots of buzz. That's one of the games. The other game is Villanova versus Kansas. Let's talk about Villanova-Kansas. That's what I want to talk about today. Tomorrow, we'll preview Carolina-Duke. We'll save the Tobacco Road for you matchup for tomorrow. But let's talk about the other one. The other one that's getting somewhat ignored here when we talk about the Final Four is villanova Versus Kansas both programs have won three national championships apiece both have two of the best coaches in the game Jay Wright unlike Bill Self though doesn't have any type of NCAA issues surrounding him constantly like Bill Self does at Kansas now this should be an intriguing matchup it feels like We're not talking enough about Kansas, and they're the only one seed in the bracket left. Villanova, though, Villanova makes you play ugly. They make you look terrible out there on the basketball court. And Coach Self of Kansas touched on a slew of different things earlier this week during media availability. And he was asked... You know, it's been a minute since Kansas has even been in a Final Four, and he was asked, "Did he even think that this was going to be a possibility this season?"
6: Oh yeah, I've, I've thought all along that this was a possibility, but I've also thought all along that that the margin for error wasn't such where we could uh, get loose and, and have it be a probability. I, I don't know. I think these guys have stayed focused. They've eliminated distractions for the most part all year long, and they do play for each other. And so uh, when we play the way that I think that we're capable of play, capable of playing, I I have total faith that we can play very well.
1: You should feel that way, especially if you're the head coach of Kansas. Because when you have Remy Martin as your point guard, well, (laughs) the Arizona State transfer has played extremely well. For the Jayhawks. He came in over. He was a transfer. And look, remember, Remy was a two-time first-team All-Pac-12 player at Arizona State. And Bill Self used the transfer portal. Part of this is because of the COVID and everyone gets an extra year and some of these guys are graduating and whatnot. But the former Pac-12 Six Man of the Year and two-time first-team All-Pac-12 selection has been a special player for the Jayhawks this year and Self talked about you know he knew that this team could put together a run like this that it was possible because of what Remy brings to the table.
6: Jay Will who's not here and Mitch I, I I think that those three plus these four believed all along that this was was possible if we did what we were supposed to do. I think one thing that has given us a little confidence is I mean we we had a we had a pretty good team this year. We, you know, shared the league and then won the tournament. We kind of shared the league without having the opportunity to play Remy. And so I think Remy and his core always knew what he was capable to do to help us. But we haven't really seen it yet because he had, his health hasn't allowed it. And I think that our guys have more of a swagger now knowing what Remy can do to make us better.
1: Remy missed some time. Okay, banged up. Once he came back, this team was a different beast. And his backcourt mate on this team, and I'm gonna butcher the man, and I, I I've even watched videos, I still can't figure out how to say his name. Do you want to give it a a, a, try, uh, a try here, five nights. I don't
2: give his first name a try. I just know it's Ochai because it can call him Chai. So at first, when I was like writing his... Ochai
1: Agbai, Ag- I Ag- yeah no,
2: no, I think that's how they say it. I think that's how they <laughs> said it when I did the press conference. I mean, Self didn't even say his whole name. He said, call him Chai. I was like, see, you even know. Just Chai. That's all you
1: do. How about starting guard (laughs) who's been named an All-American and is a finalist for the Wooden Award? Coach Self talked about just how good of a player
6: he is. You know, I I see the game maybe a little differently than a lot of folks. Uh, I think Ochai can play well without making shots. But I think to the public, that's what we depend on him to do. So, uh I, I, I mean, I think if you have to prove your worth, whether you play good or not, if the ball goes in the hole or not, that uh, that didn't really mean that you're the player you can be. So has carried us all year long and, and for him to not get 20 or 22 in a game does not mean he's in a slump or anything like that. He has labored offensively, I think in large part because of how people have defended him and maybe we haven't done a good job getting him the ball, but I know now after the way we play the second half, he'll he'll be he'll be full of confidence moving forward. And O'Chai was part of the press
1: conference as well, and he was asked, like, look, has it even set in yet that you're going to the final four? And this is what he had to say.
6: It means a lot. You know, it all all hasn't really set in yet. I think it will once we get back to Lawrence, but I'm just proud of my team. I'm just proud of, uh, obviously, Coach Self, and, you know, it's, it's great for the program and, and the university, but, you know, we're not done yet, and I'm not satisfied yet with this, uh, and I know my teammates aren't either.
1: So Kansas is your lone one seed in the final four. Villanova, Duke are two seeds, and, of course, North Carolina is an eight. And, look, with Villanova being banged up, losing yet another player. It should be a favorable matchup for Kansas to get back to the national championship game and take on the winner of North Carolina Duke. But we'll see, because Villanova, even with injuries, even with obstacles, they still somehow find a way to make teams play awful against them, and they take advantage of it, and they win these low-scoring games. And you know Jay Wright's going to have his team ready. After our timeout, we're going to hear from Coach Jay Wright, the national championship winning coach of the Villanova Wildcats, as we continue to preview the Final Four. Today, we're looking at Villanova-Kansas matchup. Tomorrow, we're going to hear from Hubert Davis and Coach K previewing the Tobacco Road matchup in the other national semifinal. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Uh, If you haven't signed up for the Game Clubhouse yet at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, you need to do so today. It's easy, it's simple, it's free to do so. And once you become a member, we're going to help you out with those date night blues. That's right. You become a member of our clubhouse, you'll have the opportunity to score free stuff. Like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Oh man, I've told you about these before. Tremendous steaks, adult beverages galore. You want it? Oh man, they got it. They even have a cigar room if you want to hang out in there. It is a tremendous place to go. Take your lady, have a great time, enjoy yourself, and we want to hook you up. $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, but you can only win that by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today so you can win. It's free to do so. Talking more Final Four. First matchup on Saturday is Kansas versus Villanova. Two seed versus a one seed. Wildcats versus Jayhawks. We already heard from Bill Self. The man in charge of the Jayhawks before the timeout. Now let's hear what Jay Wright had to say. He's already won a national championship. Okay. One of the better coaches, one of the best coaches in the sport. And he talked about does the tape, does your tape on Yukon give Kansas a peek? at what possibly Villanova's game plan is gonna be. This is what you hope they
7: don't look at it. But I I think Bill Self's one of the smartest guys in business, I think he'll figure that out. But it's a as I was saying earlier, it's a different time of year. Like our team is a lot different and we do have a week. Like that one, I think we had a day or two, you know, to figure it out. Uh, We got a week here and and I think we can do some things differently than we did in that in that game.
1: Yeah, so what he's talking about is that the game plan UConn was able to to beat him. Is Kansas going to utilize that to figure out how to beat Villanova? But that was a a different turnaround, so that is going to be that. Now, does Villanova's game plan, though, change now that Justin Moore is going to be out? They've lost yet another kid to an injury. Does that change how they're going to approach this Final Four matchup against Kansas?
7: It's definitely going to impact our game plan offensively. He's... Again, I want to balance, and I want to be truthful in balancing that he, he's such a huge part of everything we do. So it's going to impact not having him on the floor, obviously. But we do have a week here to adjust what we do without him, which is what's unique about a Final Four. And and you only have to play two games if you're really fortunate, you know. You, you, it kind of gives you it's, – it's almost like a bowl game in football. It does give you a chance to adjust. We have – you know, we have four days of we're, – we're taking – We took off yesterday. We have five days of practice that we can adjust things and become comfortable. Uh, But it's definitely going to change our game plan offensively.
1: And one of the guys that's going to be counted on is Colin Gillespie. He went from an unheralded prospect to really the heart and soul of this Wildcats team this year. And this is what his coach had to say.
7: Yeah, we're going to definitely need him, you know, as an extra ball. handler, I just felt like all year Justin was undervalued outside of our program. And and he didn't care because he was playing. <laughs> we, but now that he's out, I feel so bad for him. He, you know, he would run the point, and we would play Colin off the ball, and and he'd run the point a lot of games. He'd play the point most of the game. But that's what Arch gives us. It gives us the ability to get Colin off the ball, and Colin's really good off the ball too. So that's you know that's what he can do for. And he's a great shooter. I mean, he just doesn't get. It's it's hard to be a great shooter when you come in for like a minute and ten seconds at a time, you know, and then out in out. You know, when you're on the floor longer, it can help. So uh, he's tough and physical defensively. He's a great shooter and he can play point guard, which gets Colin to break off the ball.
1: First Final Four matchup, Villanova, Kansas, will be Saturday shortly after five o'clock. And then, of course, Tobacco Road matchup will be your nightcap, your primetime game. That's going to do it for hour number two. Hour number three, we'll kick it off with Les East of Crescent City Sports talking Saints, talking Pels. That's next right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts third better known as RP3.
1: Oh, dancing on a Thursday morning. That's how we're closing out the month of March. Yours truly, the big, bald, and beautiful one, RP3. And the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, of course, joins me here inside the game studios. We've been dancing this morning. Why wouldn't we be? We're gearing up for the weekend. We're gearing up for the final four. We're gearing up to have a dance-off. What are we going to call this thing? The 2022 chair dance-off spectacular
2: brought to you by the game. Sounds good. Boom. My made TikTok about this now.
1: <laughs> so tomorrow, five names and yours truly, we will have a dance-off here in the studio in our chairs. And we will film it and then we will leave it up to you to decide who is Going to be the winner, the champion, if you will, of the 2022 Chair Dance Off Spectacular, brought to you by the game.
2: I think we should do that. Not only should we do this dance off, but I think you should come in early so we can record it before the show and be our poll question tomorrow.
1: Well, that means means I need to wake up a little bit earlier, get loose, get ready. Get my mind right.
2: Get your head in the game.
1: Get my head in the game. <laughs> that's what we got planned for tomorrow. But you
2: wouldn't know that reference, would you? <laughs> that's a High School Musical reference.
1: It, it's get your head in the game. Yeah, it, it's also the a very, song. it's a very common phrase that's it been is. around for generations.
2: It is, but the main reference now. Did is-
1: you just bring High School Musical into the show? Yes, I did. It's as if Lewis never left. (laughs) It's as if Prejean never left. He did that once, too. I was like, what are you doing? he
2: would come back just one day. That would be an epic show. Me, you, and Lewis.
1: He'd be so excited. He'd want to talk about the Pelicans every single (laughs) segment. But I know, Lewis, we're going to talk about something else. But you know, you know, they're only eight games under 500. You know Zion (laughs) dunked a basketball on an Instagram video. I'll be like, calm down. Calm down, person.
2: Still not
1: come back. Calm down. Oh man, what a great way to get us towards the weekend. We've touched on a lot of things, and we're gonna circle back to the news involving the New Orleans Saints, the NFC South, and we'll get some Pelicans questions in as well with our next guest. He's the award-winning columnist, reporter. And a man who has dance moves to spare as well. Pretty sure there was a leisure suit in his closet back around from 1976 to 1982. And it could have been of a brightly color variety. It's our good friend joining us now, Les East. Les, good morning, sir. How are you?
8: I'm doing well, Raymond. Uh, What makes you think the leisure suit is not still in the closet? Yes,
1: that's what I wanted to hear. That's, That's my guy that's my guy uh all right bud let's get right to the saints malcolm jenkins there had been some rumblings about him retiring right uh just talk a little bit about yet here's another guy another veteran another leader on this team that's now no longer going to be part of this team uh how big of a deal is this losing malcolm jenkins
8: well, it's a significant loss. It's not surprising. As you alluded to, um, uh, there was a lot of uh, speculation that he might be retiring, but he was one of the leaders of the team, and uh, this means that two starting safeties from the last couple of years are both gone with uh, Marcus Williams having signed with Baltimore. So that's uh, significant in the secondary with Teron Armstead, leaving for Miami, that's another leader as well as a very good player on the uh, offensive side of the ball that they're losing. So that, that's significant in, in terms of leadership. Uh, they have a lot of other players who I think can, can fill in that void because they have a lot of leaders on this team, but nonetheless, you know Malcolm was a guy. he got off to a shaky start two years ago when he first came back adjusting to um, Dennis Allen's defense. I think everybody remembers the Monday night game against the Raiders when he had a really difficult time in pass coverage, but he got so much better as that season went along, and he was good again last year and uh, played really well. And, and But he also, once he got a handle on the defense, he knew how to uh, – He knew where everybody was supposed to be, and he was significant in getting everybody lined up right. And so losing him is going to hurt. And, uh, you know, physically they can probably find somebody who can uh, play at a comparable level. But mentally, I think and just in terms of a presence in the locker room, it's going to be difficult to replace that, just as it will be uh, with Teron Armstead on the other side.
1: Been a lot of speculation even before Jenkins decided to retire of Tyron Matthew being linked to the Saints. And apparently there's interest on both sides. And the Honey Badger is one of the more dynamic players on the free agent market. He hasn't signed with anyone. And openly him and C.D. Deuce, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, are having a love fest on social media. What's the likelihood that the Honey Badger could come home and sign with the New Orleans Saints, Les?
8: Oh, I think that's a good good match uh, that, that has a good chance of happening. I, I said at the beginning of free agency, maybe even before it started, that I thought there was a pretty good chance that that, that, that would wind up happening. I'm a little bit surprised that it didn't happen sooner. Maybe the Jenkins retirement uh, will accelerate that. Maybe the, the Saints wanted to see what the market would uh, would bear for uh, Tyron because they don't have a tremendous amount of money to spend. So um, th- there are probably good reasons why it hasn't happened to this point. I still think there's a pretty good chance of it happening. I think it would be a really good fit. You know, Tyron's been back in the state here the last few days. He was throughout the first pitch at an LSU um baseball game the other night and uh, has done some interviews and, of course, got into the uh, exchange with um, CJGJ on the um, on social media uh, um, answering uh, Gardner Johnson's uh, hope that he would come here with some emojis suggesting that he feels the same way. So there's no doubt Tyron wants to be here. I think the Saints would like to have him, they they have to find a way to make the numbers work. And I think there's a pretty good chance that that will happen. So that's something to keep an eye on here over the next few days.
1: If they don't get the Honey Badger, what's the likelihood they could bring somebody else home, Landon Collins?
8: Well, they would have to bring somebody in. I think that they need to bring in a, at least uh, another safety, although, you know, they signed Sorensen from Kansas City to help their depth a little bit, in uh, in addition to signing um, Marcus May to replace uh, Marcus Williams. But, uh, yeah, Landon Collins, I think, would be somebody they would look at as another possibility. But uh, they're going to have to sign a safety somewhere. I think Tyron. Is likely to be their primary target, but Landon Collins is somebody else who I think would be on the radar if that doesn't work out.
1: Les, I look at this team and the way it's constructed, you know, they can they can go a lot of different directions, but I think for me, the biggest needs for this team, and I think running back is one of them, but I think they'll establish that in the middle of the draft, like they typically do. They can find a guy in the fourth, fifth, and sixth round to be a backup running back, but the priorities has to be. Uh, a, a tackle an offensive lineman a number two wide receiver and a safety do you believe the Saints will be able to address all those needs either in free agency or in the draft or a combination of the two
8: yeah I think they'll address them the question is whether they'll be able to address them to the degree that the uh the needs uh warrant them addressing them um they, uh, you know, they re-signed Traquan Smith this week, which helps with the depth at wide receiver. Uh, but I still think uh, that he's probably their number three receiver. Ideally, I think they would like to bring in somebody who's uh, a stronger complement to Mike Thomas uh, than Traquan is. But having him back does help. He's a guy who's been here. For four years, I believe it is now, they like the way he blocks in addition to receiving. So that's helpful, but they, that's still a, a pretty significant need. Running back does need to be addressed to some degree. Uh, we still don't know what's going on with Alvin Kamara um, with the legal situation. And then, um, yeah, now they have a, a big, bigger need at safety, even though I think depth in the secondary was already at need. So. Yeah, all of those need to be addressed. I think all of them will be addressed at some point, but just because you get somebody in the middle to late rounds of the draft doesn't mean you've adequately addressed any need. And, of course, offensive tackle is a really tricky spot because you're losing one of the best left tackles in the league, Teron Armstead, and that's not easily replaced. They don't have the money to do it in free agency. And I don't know that they'll be able to do it in the draft by uh, picking at number 18. So that's that's kind of the wild card in this whole thing.
1: We're talking with Les East of com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Les, uh, the way I kind of look at it, I think the Saints are probably going to be uh, able to address the safety position in free agency and then probably will use their draft picks to solidify the offensive line and wide receiver, does that sound reasonable to you?
8: Yeah, I think so. You know, it always comes down to uh, value uh, at the time that they pick. So they they may have an, a, a game plan as to how they want to approach each position. Um, I, I don't know that they're going to get a lot done in free agency before the draft. I think they will They will try and uh, at least address the safety situation. Um, but they, it could wind up in the draft. You just don't know who's going to be there when you're going to pick. So oftentimes they will go into the draft thinking they're going to address a certain area, and they wind up addressing a different one just because the value uh, worked out better that way so the whole thing uh is this this isn't going to be resolved as quickly as fans probably would like it's going to go slowly in free agency and then the draft uh, is still uh, about three weeks away uh, or maybe closer to four and then uh there may be some free agency after that so this is going to play out kind of slowly over the next several weeks
1: What do you make of both the Saints and the Bucs having their Super Bowl winning head coaches and offensive gurus retire and the teams replace them with defensive coordinators on staff that had losing records as head coaches with two terrible franchises in the AFC? I
8: mean it's kind of just weird right? Yeah it really is very similar um, situations to what happened and you know it's it's just coincidence that they, they both happened the way they did. But in both cases, yeah, it's a Super Bowl-winning coach who stepped aside, probably a little more surprising in Sean Payton's case, given that he's a lot younger than Bruce Arians, and, and Arians chose to do it fairly deep into the offseason. Uh, but nonetheless, once it happened, I think Tampa – they moved a little more quickly than the Saints did, but I think in both cases it came down to the same thing: as they they, they kind of looked at their staff and realized that the guy they had running their defense um, was a very good candidate, uh, despite the troubles with the first head coaching opportunity that each had, and uh, the continuity was important, and uh, it was just uh, just seemed like the best option. Uh, for a lot of reasons, not the least of which that, uh, the defensive coordinators had both been very successful on the staff of the head coach who had chosen to retire. I'm sorry, not retire in Sean's case.
1: That's right. He That's likes
8: that to be known that he is not retiring.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 He'll be back on the sidelines next year. We, <laughs> we, we know what that means. We know what that means. All right, let's, let's switch gears quickly to the Pelicans. Um, you know they're trending in the right direction. Uh, they're, you know, they come back. They get a win last night against the Trailblazers. They looked bad there, especially there in the second quarter. But they played far better there in the second half. What are you seeing from this team? How do you like how they're playing? I know it's the Trailblazers and they're bad, but still a win is a win, especially if you're the Pelicans and you're below five hundred.
8: Yeah, I think it was significant that they didn't. Uh, Play a great game, and yet they wound up winning by ten points. Uh, it, Portland, is a team that's uh, got, got um, the, you know Damian Lillard's hurt. They traded C.J. McCollum to the Pelicans. They have a couple of other players out, so that they're really fading badly. But I think Portland was uh, excited to play that game. You know, all the attention was on McCollum's return to Portland but I think the Blazers also wanted to prove that you know they they still have some players even in his absence and I think they played probably as hard as they've played in the last 2 or 3 weeks they hit an awful lot of three-pointers to hang in there. Pelicans uh were coming off a really emotional back-to-back with the Spurs and Lakers over the weekend. So uh it wasn't their best performance but to to take care of business the way they did in the second half was significant. Now they're, what, a game and a half up on the Lakers. They've clinched their tiebreaker with the Lakers. LeBron James is not going to play at Utah tonight. And uh, Pelicans go into L.A. tomorrow night. So basically uh, they can deliver a knockout blow to the Lakers tomorrow night, I think, if they can win that game. Even if they don't, they'll still be in pretty good shape in regard to the Lakers, and now the two games up on the Spurs. Um, and Spurs get the Blazers at home twice over the weekend, so that they're, they may be able to add a couple of wins here quickly. So there's still some work to do. I think the Spurs are going to be a bigger threat than the Lakers. But the, the Pelicans are um, – they control their own fate, and they look like a team that's going to be able to do a pretty good job of uh, taking care of their own business.
1: Les appreciate your time. As always, quickly, bud, who do you think's gonna win our chair dance off spectacular tomorrow? Hannah, five names or yours, truly.
8: Uh, I'm gonna take uh, five names and spot the points. Wow.
1: I appreciate your candor.
8: <laughs> Thank That's you. That's why you... I'm here.
1: <laughs> that is that is exactly why you're I'll see you Saturday, bud. Enjoy your next couple okay. days.
8: Okay. Thank you. It's
1: Les East, our old friend. From ChristensenCitysports.com joining us. He picked you and he's taking the points. Wow. Wow. What is the spread? What is the spread? We got to reach out to our guy, Nick Fondo, who joins us on Fridays, but we're going to reach out to him. I'm going to ask him what the spread is on who's going to win the dance off between you and I. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Do you think RP3 is the only nickname Ray has? Think again. Uh, there was Little Vayment. There was Little Foot,
1: Little Bubba. There was LD, which stood for Little Dufo. There was Ray Dog. There was Ray Diggity Dog. There was Fish. There was Fish Face. There was RP3. There was even Ramundo from El Segundo.
0: Back to the host with more nicknames than he knows what to do with. RP3, RP3, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Lake Charles, Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: question of the day with Bruce Arians retiring going to take on a front office role with the Tampa Bay Bucks, it's a whole new world in the NFC South got Dennis Allen as the head coach of the Saints you got Todd Bowles as the head coach of the Bucks. both of those teams promoted their defensive coordinators both of those guys have losing records and were, you know, let's be honest, they failed as head coaches. Now, to be fair to them, they were head coaches of two of the, you know, worst, you know, two of the franchises that are ran poorly in the NFL for the better part of the last 20 years. But you got young coaches in Carolina and Atlanta as well. So who's now the best head coach in the NFC South? That's our poll question of the day. Producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five names. Hello. Hello. How are you? How are I'm you? I'm doing
2: fantastic.
1: Oh, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I I <laughs> <was> <laughs> poll question of the day. Who is now the best head coach in the NFC South? Sixty-three percent of you are saying Dennis Allen because you're letting your, you know, <laughs> your, your Saints fandom come through. 18% say Todd Bowles. Eleven percent say Matt Rule. Who's a fan for Matt Rule? And eight percent say Arthur Smith. But what about the comments? What are the people saying with their Twitter fingers?
2: Uh, Hart you, you, you need a moment? You
1: need a moment to collect yourself? Go ahead. Take, take Hart, time. Hart
2: says, not just saying this as a homer, but the Saints have the most continuity out of all listed. Da gets a fair chance to prove what he can do with a talented roster and competent staff this time. He's, gave, he's already gave a sneak peek at how aggressive he can get. Has me excited for the season. Uh, Brad says the jury is still out, but Todd Bowles has the best NFL coaching record at 26 and 41.
1: Woof.
2: Yeah. Um Todd says, oops. God, this division is a mess. When these are the choices, oof. Then let's go back down. Let's keep Uh Darren says, give me TB. I don't know why New York let him go to hire crazy eyes. That was a bad move. Glad he's getting another shot.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. I like that.
2: And then we have Robert Duplachan says none of none, but have to vote for Allen. When in doubt, roll with the Saints.
1: Roll with the Saints. Smart guy.
2: Smart guy. There we go. And JbK the OD just has a GIF of Dennis Allen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
5: Uh, no.
1: <laughs> that's pretty good well, yeah, that's pretty good I like that I like that
2: thank you thank you very much who
1: do you believe is now the best head coach in the NFC South producer extraordinaire Hannah five names
2: uh Dennis Allen cause I don't know the other guys <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay that's fair
2: we that's are have a nickname for him, which we gotta see if everybody else agrees with us on uh, footnotes. Which we've had a uh, DA, so the prosecutor, because it's a DA, district attorney. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I got gotcha. you. Just DA. And. Yep, yeah, that's it. They- <laughs> I think it may have been Ringo, but I think that was actually for uh, Pete Carmichael Jr. Actually, instead, Ringo was for part- Yeah, for Pete.
1: So, Five Names goes bold, bold and daring, with the decision to go with Dennis Allen. Yes. Wow. Is that the type of approach you're going to take to the 2022 chair dance-off spectacular brought to you by the game tomorrow? Yes. Mm. Boom. Going to go with safe. Going to go with easy. Mm.
2: Uh-huh. Mm. i no hips now. That may
1: <laughs> not be the right approach when you're taking on... A dancing wild man like myself
2: well see you're gonna go first and i'll go after you so whoa, whatever you do i whoa. can up you
1: <laughs> what time out who said i'm going first you're older <laughs> you're paying we gotta respect make sure. to your elders we nice think about it you don't nice. want something
2: to happen where you like break a hip then and i gotta make sure that i'm okay so that i take you like, to the hospital or whatever you know it's fine <laughs> looking out for you bro
1: no you're not <laughs> Uh, have I told you yet today that you are absolutely ridiculous?
2: Uh, yeah.
1: There it is. There it is.
2: I know no one else saw it, but you said a whole new world, and I went, a whole new world. Over here. for
1: You did a little Aladdin there. Nice. I did.
2: Nice. It was fun. Nice. <laughs> i am been saying. Keep,
1: keep voting. Yes, you did. Keep voting <laughs> on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But we got to take a time out. When we return, Glenn Gilbo from Outkick.com, columnist. We're going to talk a little LSU with him, maybe touch on some Saints. That's next right here on RP3 and Company. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 31st, 1996. In the first time in Major League Baseball history, the regular season opens in the month of March as the Seattle Mariners beat the Chicago White Sox three to two in 12 innings at the Kingdome in Seattle. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: The Acadiana Pole Boy Festival returns this Saturday in downtown Lafayette. There will be over 25 vendors selling some of the best pole boys Acadiana has to offer. In addition to the Great Eats and the pole Boy Eating Contest, there will also be refreshing beverages, unique and one-of-a-kind arts and crafts, activities for the kids, and live entertainment featuring Keith Frank, Gerald Grunick, and Gentelli Zydeco, and much more. For more information, go visit Acadianapoleboyfestival.com. Right now, it's time for us to talk a little LSU, maybe even a little Saints, with one of the most respected and acclaimed columnist reporters that our state has produced. He works for Outkick.com these days. It's our good friend, the one and only Glenn Gilbo. Glenn, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend?
4: Good morning. Wow. Thanks for that introduction. Don't know if I deserve that, man. Hey, bud.
1: Hey, bud. You put in the work. (laughs) (laughs) You You put in the work, my friend. So... Let's start let's start with a little lSU conversation here, as expected the mass exodus from the lSU men's basketball program is pretty much kind of standard, right? Uh, not only the guys decommitting, but all the guys that are leaving either declaring for the draft or going into the transfer portal. do you believe, Glenn that there's gonna be any player from this year's team that's going to be on Coach Max team next year?
4: um if there is, you know, it's going to be somebody that, that we don't know about, I mean, that we've never heard of or, or that or that played much or maybe a walk-on or something. Um, I, just, I just don't see it. You know, the amazing thing is there's massive transfers with this ridiculous transfer portal, you know, even from good programs. You know, just because a kid doesn't like how the sun came up that day, they're transferring now. So then if you have a program – that on top of that is looking at probable postseason bans or other sanctions. I mean, you're just going to have a complete fire sale. It reminds me of the, uh, that Astros fire sale in the, uh, in the, in the nineties when they totally got rid of the whole team and then and brought in, uh, Jeff Bagwell, you know, going, going way back. Uh, and there's been other fire sales. It's the, the Marlins at that time, but, um, it's not, you don't see it as much, but this is like an old fashioned one.
1: Is he going to be forced to kind of take guys? We've already kind of seen it, right? He's got one of the one of his kids from Murray State has transferred in. He's got a guy, a kid from Northwestern State. Is the, the roster going to be filled with guys that are going to seize the opportunity to be able to play in the SEC, even though they may not be, quote-unquote, SEC-caliber talent? Is that what this roster is going to be like for the first couple of years?
4: Oh, I think so, uh, especially since it. The- you know, you're not going to know what their sanctions are for a while. Uh, you know, they're probably going to be playing next season before they know their sanctions. So, yeah, I think he's going to just take whatever he can get. You know, guys that would normally play in the Southland or the or the Sun Belt or even junior college or something or Division two. you know, they're going to be saying, oh, well, you know, this team's on probation, but it's still the SEC. So uh, that that's what I could see um, – Happening, uh, you know. I mean, similar to the players, John Brady had to take uh, very early in his career at LSU when you know he took the job under similar circumstances.
1: All right, that's a good. That's a good comparison there. What do you make of? Uh, what do you make of the hire? And what do you think some of his strong points are?
4: Oh, I think it's a great hire. I mean, considering the uh, the sanctions coming in and and just the reputation of the program. I think it's a great hire. I mean, I, I wrote that LSU's Scott Woodward made a better hire with impending probation than Joe Oliva did twice without any probation. McMahon's a better candidate at the time he's hired than Will Wade was and than Johnny Jones was. I mean, it's, it's not even close. Uh, you know, he's, he's older than, uh, than Will Wade. He's, he's been a head coach longer. Uh, you know, Wade was a flash in the pan, you know, on on the court. And uh, he's put players in the NBA. The most impressive thing about him, and I wrote about this last week, is the the players he's won with, and um, were not big time recruits. You know, they were they were they were like Ja. You know, they were they were barely uh, ranked, if at all. They were they were sleepers. As Scott Woodward said, he he got hidden gems. So that's exactly what he has to do here. So he's uniquely qualified for that.
1: Glenn, let's talk about the SEC basketball scene because it just it, someone had mentioned it that you know after Arkansas was eliminated there in the lead 8 that the SEC has not had a national title in basketball since 2012. It's been that long and this tournament we saw Kentucky inexplicably be eliminated in the first round to a 15 seed. We saw Tennessee kind of falter, which happens under Rick Barnes and Uh, For as good as the SEC was this year, you know they didn't even have a team reach the Final Four. What do you make of the state of SEC men's basketball as it stands
4: right now? Yeah, and you know the SEC didn't have any wins over over Power Six conferences of the Power Five plus the Big East. They winless. I think they were like zero and six. The ACC just blew them away in the in the tournament, Uh, and you know during the regular season it looked like the SEC was one of the best conferences. And, and, you know, we kept hearing that, you know, and I wrote that, you know, but in the end uh, it w- it wasn't true. Um, I mean, the SEC is better than it was five years ago. I mean, they, they've improved their schedule. They got better teams. You know, Auburn was in the final four in 2019. So they, they have some kind of new teams up there. But it's still, I mean, it's not the ACC – you know i'd say it's uh, in the top 6 you know they're probably 3 or 4 among conferences uh but that that's improvement and um you know kentucky uh has has gone has has, has dipped a little bit you know so so they need to get back and and you know arkansas looks like it's on the way i mean yeah. they got a great recruiting class coming in and and uh so if you get arkansas kentucky auburn you know that's that's three elite teams if they continue on their path
1: what do you make of this final four that we're going to have in new orleans this weekend glenn you got the two you got uh, all four of them are blue bloods and we get a tobacco road matchup for the first time in the tournament ever during coach k's farewell tour what do you make of this final four how good do you think it's going to be
4: you know i can't i can't wait to get get there i'm going there this afternoon um, I think it's I think it's just been a great NCAA tournament because it's had a little of both. You know, it had the Cinderellas with St. Peter, St. Peter's, and in, in Miami, and some some great upsets. And Arkansas made a made a run, and and now you know you got you got the Blue Bloods, the the real thing, and the ultimate NCAA tournament game. I mean, not only is this North Carolina Duke's first Final Four game, it's their first NCAA tournament game, yeah. which is amazing. I mean, they've been at the same tournament thirty six times. You know they play each other three times a year most of the time, and it's Coach K's last Final Four. It's Hubert Davis's first Final Four as a head coach. Uh, I mean, changing of the guard. It's it's just it's too good to be true. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's um, it's great that this is how the Final Four is coming back in the first full year, and in, in what most people say is the best city for the Final Four in New Orleans.
1: We're talking with Glenn Gilbo, columnist for OutKick.com. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. I want to ask you about football real quick before we switch over to the Saints. Uh, The Tigers, look, Brian Kelly, I think he's brought some energy. I thought he's brought some enthusiasm. I like the staff that he's put together. And uh, it's going to be a challenge, though, for him to put together, lay the foundation of a really good team based on where the program's been the last couple years because it's been down, let's be fair. What do you think the biggest thing needs to happen during spring to help the Tigers get to a point to build some momentum for fall camp? Well, what's the one thing that you're kind of looking for from Brian Kelly and his staff?
4: Well, I I think he's already done it. I mean, he's hired a good staff. You know, they haven't had good assistant coaches there in some time, particularly at, at coordinator. He's got two solid coordinators. That's a step in the right direction. And you know, the two coordinators last year aren't coordinators anywhere else. So that, that, that tells you something And the same thing with some of the ones before that. Um, so, and he, he's just brought a lot of organization. Uh, you know, he's a real organized coach. Les Miles and coach O kind of did things on the seat of their pants. Um, Brian Kelly is, is more like Saban than, than any coach they've had. And then they've changed the culture there, which really needed to happen considering the off field issues. You know, there's, you know not only is the staff completely turned over except for one assistant you know there's like 40 people within the football program that are no longer there um, and and that's really what they needed and i think you're going to see some just some changes on the on the field the way they play there's going to be less uh ridiculous things happening off the field now you might not see the wins this first year because I, I just don't think they're that talented but going he's going he's gonna to win a national championship within a few years or being the hunt uh, you know and I think um, I think he's going to be a contender for years to come after these first couple of rough years probably
1: Glenn let's go down the road to New Orleans I've spoke on the air that the hires that they moved the approach that the Saints have had this offseason – has been safe, but could be smart? And we'll find out. right? They, they promote from within. Their defensive coordinator becomes their head coach. They promote from within for their coordinator positions. They have chances to go outside. They don't. And then they you know, they flirt with Deshaun Watson, but they uh, ultimately get Jameis Winston back on a team-friendly deal. They bring back Traquan Smith on a team-friendly deal. They don't overspend on their own guys. What do you make of kind of a safe approach this offseason by Mickey Loomis and company?
4: Well, um, yeah, you know, I mean, they def- they wanted Deshaun Watson as as much as anybody, so that that wasn't safe, and and that definitely was going to cost a lot. But he he didn't want them. I think that's a blessing. I, I think that would have would have been a mess. Um, I think he's going to continue to have issues off the field that chase him and you and, know, and you be suspended know by the commissioner. Or yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, and be suspended by the commissioner because you know that's coming.
4: Yeah, yeah, right. And, you know, I think Jameis was, was on his way. Uh, I mean, he really improved. It was a small sample. But you could just tell he was better under Peyton than he was in, in his past. You now, Peyton's not there anymore. So that's going to be the challenge to the assistants to, to follow that up and keep him on that path. And, and I think Dennis Allen made a great move by going out to California and, and meeting with Michael Thomas because mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be Jameis's best um, weapon. And I mean, amid all the problems last year, they still had a a winning season. So, and they almost made the playoffs, Glenn. They almost go, made the playoffs. Go, yeah, exactly. I mean, they 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 came close to making the playoffs. So they're they're pretty close. And and uh, just with Winston and Thomas alone, that's that's probably three or four wins right there. Um, and you know, the defense is very good. He's he's kept that intact. You know, I didn't three first round draft choices for Watson. You know, I don't I don't know about that, man. And um, mm. so I think I think they're in pretty good shape. I mean, they don't look like a Super Bowl contender, but it looks like they'll be a, a playoff contender for sure.
1: Wrap it up with this, Glenn. What do you think the biggest priority needs to be moving forward now that Armstead's gone, Williams is gone, Jenkins is now retired? Is it is it safety for the Saints, or is it finding a number two wide receiver?
4: Um, I, I would say, uh, you know, Thank goodness they got their number one wide receiver back. But, but yeah, I mean, they've been needing a number two wide receiver for years, it seems like. Uh, I think you can always use another offensive lineman, uh, especially, you know, they've, they've lost one. They seem to always be one short there. And then then I would worry about the, the defense um, because, you know, the defense has been the, the strong point of the team. I, I think they can get that replaced. And, um, you know, they kept the, the coordinator there now the head coach so i think they're they're solid on defense but yeah i would i would say uh couple of offensive linemen another wide receiver and then see what you can do in the secondary
1: glenn always appreciate your time brother tell the people how they can follow you uh on twitter and where to go for to read all your articles
4: sure outkick.com um still on lsu beat tweet on twitter um Got quite a few stories on Duke and North Carolina up there now. And later this morning, I got a great feature on Dick Vitale. Um, you know, he missed the whole season. I was able to get in touch with him. And uh, Tim Brando talking about the early days with, uh, with Dick Vitale. So that'll be fun. And then, then Final Four coverage throughout the weekend.
1: Glenn, appreciate your time, bud. Keep up the tremendous work, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. We got to take a timeout. We'll finalize the poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is. I'm ready for love. Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need The Game, 1037 Lafayette, and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Uh, Cycle Zydeco is a festival on wheels, experience, mouthwatering Cajun cuisine, and live performances by some of the best bands in Louisiana. The ride will take place April 20th to the 24th. It includes tours of many attractions and options for camping or staying in hotels. Immerse yourself in Acadiana. The birthplace of Zydeco, home to both Cajuns and Creoles alike, and one of the most unique cultures in the United States. For more information, visit CycleZydeco.org. Poll question of the day. Let's look at those final results, shall we? Who is now the best coach in the NFC South now that Bruce Arians is retired and taking a front office role with the Buccaneers? Saints got a new coach. Bucks got a new coach. They both decided to go with their defensive coordinators who were had pub records as head coaches before. But who's the best coach? What are the final results of the poll question of the day? Tell us, producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names.
2: So we have 61% for Dennis Allen. We
0: stunned, stunned.
2: 24% for Todd Bowles. Okay. We have 9% for Matt Rule.
1: Who's voting for Matt Rule? I have no idea. His family? Did they get access to our poll question? Shout and out to them.
2: 7% for Arthur Smith.
1: How many people? how many people didn't know who Arthur Smith was? Me. <laughs> thank you for all who voted on our poll question of the day. <laughs> I want to take a moment to thank our guests, John Marcase, columnist from the Town Talk. Les East from ChristmasCitysports.com and Glenn Gilbo from Outkick.com. Oh, man, you got to tune in tomorrow. We'll preview the rest of the Final Four. We'll close out shop on the weekend. we got some great guests lined up. But for the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names, I'm Raymond Parcher III, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote in Footnotes is up next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.